You're listening to Tiger's Eye, episode 20. Tales from the Stalwart Whale Shala There are other chieftains among my countrymen, but aside from Haka, no one challenges me for leadership. The Red Shaman skulks about the boat occasionally, attempting to sow seeds of fear for Hrao's adopted son. While the cub's appearance repulses some, his instrumental part in freeing us more than proves his benevolence. And as far as him being an omen of ill tidings, he appeared in our lives long after they had reached the depths of their blackest pit. In consequence, the shaman has few allies, and I must keep my axe handy at all times. Hrao places my garnet necklace in my paws on the first evening of our freedom. Thoughts of Shal creep back to me, and hearing of her chiefly nature in my absence is thrilling. I must control my emotional response lest these other cats think me soppy. What will you do with him? I ask when we have signed through the story of how this creature came to be in our jungle. You are learning tiger? A little for now. Much for later. He must go to his home. The determination in her eyes speaks of someone bent on a task they cannot be swayed from. I gently rotate my pad around in a circle, indicating the occupants of the ship. New home? Hrao shakes her head, but I glance at Miguel. He has taken to wearing the snake rat mask all the time, but the eyes beneath it clearly comprehended my word and gesture. Rickish. I watch the strange creature communicating with her owl. He wears the mask I carved for little Rena. I consider mentioning this, even only to allow him to keep it. He has helped us all more than enough to earn this reward, but I sense he would want to give it back. It seems right to let him remain the snake rat. Marek, Rao finds me in the evening and presses the opal eye into my paw, still attached to a leather cord. I gaze down at it. Can a life and a soul be encapsulated in a single symbolic possession? 
What will that mean to carry it with me? We stand over his broken body, and I must make a decision. Is it going into the water with him? I cannot answer her. I am frozen in place, unable to proceed along either path. My paw shakes as I tightly hold onto this stone. If I were as close to him as you were, I would keep it on me always. I cast my mind forward to tomorrow. He always wished for my happiness. But there are other ways I can carry him with me. I remove the cord and gently and solemnly return the orb to its socket. This was never intended as a trophy or as a keepsake. It was his eye. He will need it to see where he is going. Opal Eye. Because of your sacrifice, many survived. May your bright eye light the way for all who are lost out here, that they may find their way home. Go with the Father of Passing and return to this world soon. We shall miss you. team charged with portioning out the food. While the fresh water drained away, much of the dry stores were spoiled. However, as salty and pleasant and inedible as it was, it would still provide us with nutrition. I've heard of seafarers who survived on a grotesque mixture of rat droppings and sawdust. So, rain mush eaten before it rots is, by comparison, a veritable banquet. The one thing nobody mentions is the supply of fresh meat we toss overboard on a daily basis. If we are to survive this ordeal, it will be with our souls intact. Long ago, before the Seven aligned themselves, it was said that we regularly dined on one another's flesh, eating hearts to gain our enemy's strength, eyes to bolster their vision, and so on. No matter what our captors thought of us, we are a collection of civilized people. This is a line we will no longer cross. I busy myself with this. 
applying my mathematical mind to the portion sizes divided by the remaining passengers of this ship, who are now its de facto crew. As a trader, I am one of the few on board who can actually count higher than ten, simply because so few of them come from a background culture that requires them to. It gives me particular satisfaction to see the captain daintily nibbling on the slop she previously had fed to the slaves. The execution of Mohawk cannot bring back my husband, nor can it wash away the hurt he inflicted. And I have been told that vengeance is a hollow reward. But I harbor a satisfaction in the memory of his death. Chained, humiliated, and helpless. Seth. I had never laid eyes on a cheetah before this. Arish is shorter than I with thin, powerful legs. He has a grace and speed that put all other species to shame. I comfort him as he mourns his cousins. In doing so, I keep my mind from the thoughts of my dear brother, whom Harau crushed to death yesterday. That hate has lived in my belly. I imagine cutting her tendons and tearing out her throat in so many red dreams. But it is for nothing. I must let this go. We would have killed her and stolen her food. There must be more now, after this, between us. More than petty feuding and thievery. Arish and I huddle together as the boat carries us onward, away from the sun, and say very little. What we do not say is understood better, after all. Prowl. The boat touches the far distant shore. My companions and I are delirious. When warriors swarm up the gangplank to apprehend us and once again bind our paws, those of us still alive are too weak to fight. We are led away from countless tall boats and far from the river through hard stone avenues, only to be assaulted on all sensory fronts. The floor is harsh upon our paws. Buildings loom over us, smoke billows from stone tubes on their rooftops. Golden-furred lions swarm through the streets, some being propelled along atop strange wheeled contraptions. Faces stare at us 
and a cacophony of growls and roars of their strange language batter our ears, even as the thick, blackened air chokes our lungs. Dr. Eloise Shearer. The truly confounding aspect of the trial the former occupants of the Stalwood Whale were thrust into was that they were not, in point of fact, being tried as people. Not in the way that lions would be. Not in the way that every citizen of Albion is considered. Even the most impoverished of dregs of society, the lowliest of serfs, would still qualify. If the poor were not judged as people, then the jails would be empty. Instead, the tigers, jaguars, leopards, panthers and cheetahs were regarded by the Crown Court as livestock. They were not charged with the murder of the greater majority of the crew. Doing so would have afforded them a sense of both premeditation and identity. Also, the subject of defending oneself against tyranny would have been brought up. Instead, it was simply accepted by the court that wild animals, caged and arranged for transport, had escaped and killed their captors. The issue became not what their prison sentence should be, to either make an example of them, or ensure a penalty of appropriate years would be spent incarcerated for their crimes. Instead, the only question was whether the Great Albion Trading Company, whose property they were still deemed, wished to have them transferred to their original point of intended transit, or else be put down in the manner of rabid animals. Fortunately, a number of abolitionists had turned up for the trial and had been allowed nomination for the defence. Distinguished lawyer Quincy P. Matthews gave a particularly stirring speech about the nature of intelligence and how certain hallmarks placed a cat, or indeed any other creature, in a bracket whereby certain behaviour was expected of them. Behaviour beyond cunning, beyond the understanding that one exists at all. Matthews, in a stroke of admirable perception, put it down to art. Art is the measure of one's civilization. A beast in the field does not make art, neither does a snake in the grass though they can possess their own inherent aesthetic beauty. Art is an expression of oneself and one's culture and history through painting and writing, words, song, dance. He had communicated with the cats in the run-up to the trial and took this opportunity to wish them all a good day and ask how they were feeling in their sign language. He bade the court record keeper take stock of the lively flow of negative emotions that emanated forth. Then, amid a storm of protests from the court, Matthews and his colleague Kyleen, herself a cheetah, presented exhibit after exhibit from the possessions of the cats. Ceremonial masks, intricate jewellery, beautifully sculpted weaponry, embroidered scarfs and tiny, detailed effigies of loved ones. It is time we put aside our perceived hierarchy and call this what it is, grand-scale, legislated kidnapping of a continent. We can no longer hide behind notions that these are not people, or that they are so primitive that they cannot comprehend our world, that their only place in it is as the basest of labour. 
These are, beyond a shadow of a doubt, our own brothers and sisters. They feel as passionately as we. This trading of intelligent lives is at its very best deluded and at worst the greatest evil our civilization has yet perpetrated. No more excuses, no more lies. Judge them as people. And as people, they would be party to the laws of our system. Judge Harrington, the crime of murder in this fair country has a number of penalties, including hanging, but one of them is exiled to Muscat. Is that correct? Correct. They can serve a life sentence in the mining colony there. Objection! Why should my clients, the Great Albion Trading Company, incur further expense to relocate their stock to an unintended locale? That would require the drafting of dozens of new contracts. Besides which, my clients are unwilling to send this poisonous, recalcitrant element to labor within their shipyards, or indeed, any other enterprise. Overruled, for now. I'm curious as to where you're going with this, Matthews. Thank you, your lordship. I would like to add an addendum to this hypothetical sentence. Considering exile is a sanctioned and agreed-upon penalty, I would suggest, under the mitigating circumstances, namely the defendant's abominably cruel treatment while in captivity, and indeed the fact that they were fighting for their very lives, that these murders be regarded as self-defense under extreme duress. Thus the sentence should be exile. Back to the new world. His face was so impassioned as he made that speech. I could feel the conviction in these words and the absolute assurance that he was in the right. Not just legally speaking, but to the very core of ethical rectitude. At that moment, I realised he was doing what I wanted to do with my life. His plea was, of course, overturned. Shortly afterward, King Louis the Sixteenth entered the room. Captain Beatrix Annabel Queensbury. I had never had the pleasure to be in His Majesty's presence before. He really was quite the widest fellow I've ever been squeezed into a room with. Dressed in pale ermine, a veritable abundance of which would have been required for its construction, and sporting a highly fashionable wig, woven from his own mane. And while his visits to the Crown Court were not unheard of, this was a rather controversial subject matter to throw one's hat or indeed wig, in with. He took one look at the stand, lined as it was with two dozen foreign devils, and burst out laughing. <laughs> look at their funny faces! They appear just as they do in Punch magazine! It was up to the judge to keep the room in order. Your Majesty, to what do we owe this pleasure? I just thought I'd saunter down here to make sure none of our laws got changed while I wasn't looking. And I hear young Matthews just gave quite an impressive speech. We're far from our conclusions. 
Wait, what's that creature there? The pale monkey thing. That has yet to be identified. Oh, I want it. Who's the owner? Great Albion? Name your price. Actually, Your Majesty, I caught that whilst in the New World. It's my property. As Your Majesty can see, he is clothed, which speaks to a certain level of intelligence. How much? Doesn't matter. I'll buy it. A word of caution, sire. This one is prone to defecation and, and then the violent flinging of said toiletry emissions at a moment's notice. Seriously? The king glanced down at his dazzling white furs. I must speak truthfully before every sale, sir. Ugh. In that case, you can keep the little turd slinger. I certainly shall. Pray carry on. Your Majesty, may I make a suggestion? Oh, this will be good. Go ahead. These people have been taken from their homeland. Some of them from their beds while they slept. They have no business here and simply wish to go home. Buy this stock from Great Albion and have it shipped back to its origin point. Objection, your lordship. This is not an auction house, nor is Mr. Matthews empowered to make such an offer on behalf of my client. Overruled. The king is having a series of protracted conversations with random members of my court. We must abide by his fancy. Yes, you bloody must. So why would I want to do that? For many virtuous, charitable, and godly reasons, sire, I would venture that such an act would put you in good stead with the Lord, so that you may enter his kingdom a blessed and humble cat. But in your case, you need think of nothing more than marking yourself into our history as a merciful and progressive monarch. Now listen here, Sonny Jim. Our empire is founded upon this hierarchy you show such disdain for. This multi-tiered structure is balanced upon the difference at its base between the poorest of free men and the slaves who have no choice in the matter. So, yes, I could make a symbolic gesture and endorse the eventual removal of this bottom rung. But what happens to the lower classes then? All that weight comes crashing down upon them. Our whole society would collapse. You just try to expand an empire with a baseline that has rights. See what happens. No, Mr. Matthews. Sending this lot home would, in consequence, be the very antithesis of mercy. Judge Harrington... Do with them as you will. But well, I'll see you for golf tomorrow, by the way. Thank you, sire. And not too early. I like to sleep in. All of Matthew's evidence was overturned in the face of the ferocious attack upon the crew of the whale. How could anybody in good conscience put these savage animals on a ship and hope that they would not break out again and murder everyone on board, no matter the destination? Even if they reached the New World, 
dumping them on the beach presented a lethal danger to the colony in place there. Who would put them back in their caves? The message was clear. Their punishment was not about preventing them from doing this again, or keeping the people of Albion safe. This was a clear message to the abolitionists. The creatures you are trying so hard to liberate are too dangerous to survive. You are wasting your time. It was a legal salting of the earth. The sentence was execution. You have been listening to Tiger's Eye, written and edited by Alex Shaw, with a full cast. Shala, the Panther Chief, performed by Matt Wardle. Rao, performed by Maureen Foley. Glam, the Panther Trader, and Captain Beatrix, performed by Loretta Saylor. Liseth, the Leopard Hunter, performed by Megan Hopwood. Dr. Shearer, performed by Laura Kate Dale. Quincy P. Matthews, the Lawyer, performed by Alistair Stewart. The Prosecutor for the Great Albion Trading Company, performed by Marguerite Kenner. Judge Harrington, performed by Matt Ramsey. Rickish the Jaguar Warrior, Marek the Tiger Hunter, and King Louis XVI, performed by Alex Shaw. The main theme was Agent in Shanghai, composed by 1M1 Music of Shockwave Sound. Drums of the Deep, Plaint, Decline, Discovery Hit, Snowdrop, and Lost Frontier performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Many soundscapes, including Royal Salon by Tabletop Audio. Our special Patreon sponsors and contributors this month were Ian and Megan Hopwood, Nick Grugin, Joel Robinson, Russell Osborne, David Garcia-Abril, Maureen Foley, Ben Hayes, Stefan Gardinia, Kieran Datchler, Lorraine Chisham, Livio Dela Cruz, Scott Corzine, Dan Mayer, and Erish Traverse. And readers out there will be happy to know that Secret Rooms is now available on the Kindle store. It's coming very soon to other outlets, including a gorgeous paperback copy, with the cartographer's handbook getting a second edition to match that cover. As with the iTunes reviews, this needs your positive feedback to get all those readers out there aware of the quality of this story. So again, if you love this series and want to see it spread out to a wider audience, then give it a great rating and review. You guys are my white scarves, marking out the trail for everyone else. Go bring us all together. <laughs>